All right, guys, welcome to the first ever Salt City Church show slash podcast. I'm excited to be here with you guys. You can see that I'm broadcasting live from my 2004 Honda Odyssey minivan, Ronda the Honda. And the reason for that is because I'm sheltering in place with my five kids who are doing homeschool at home right now. And so there's no place for me to to get in a quiet spot. So I'm here from an undisclosed location with my buddy, Clint Robinson. And the reason that I invited Clint onto the show is because Clint is actually the first person that I heard the word coronavirus from. And that's because when this whole thing broke, Clint and his wife, Miranda, were living in Wuhan, China. So I'm excited to talk to Clint and ask him some questions. And hopefully we can all walk away knowing how to walk with Jesus through what we're going through together Mm. over the next uh, several months. And so Clint, can you walk us through what the last several months have looked like in your life? Yeah, man, that could go on for a while. So I'll try to do the the fast version. But yeah, the first time I had kind of heard about this virus going around was in December. Um, and you kind of just kind of heard this thing and we were like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And and then we kind of get towards the middle of January. And actually, I, it was fun because for some reason, I just decided I would start journaling on my phone this year. And I haven't been much of a journaler. Um, but I started journaling on January 1st, which was good timing. But it was about the middle of January and I journaled. There's this crazy virus going around in my city. I don't know what's going on. I hope it fizzles out soon though. <laughs> and like I went back and looked at that uh, last week and I was like, oh my word, it did not fizzle out. That is for sure. So yeah, so middle of January, we're starting to see that thing kind of ramp up in our city and still no one really knows what it is or what, what it's going to do. But then we started hearing rumblings of, oh, they might shut your city down. And and we're like, do you think they'd really, could they close the whole city down and we couldn't get out? You know, we were kind of just having conversations about it. Is that possible? I'm like, if it's possible anywhere, it's possible there. Um, but um, yeah, so then finally one day we were just like, us and some of our friends um, that, that live there, we were like, we should probably get out, get out of here. And pretty quickly we made the decision to, to get out. And then sure enough, like less than a day later, like probably about 18 hours later, the whole city was on lockdown and we wouldn't have ever been able to leave unless it was one of those evacuation flights or something like that. So that's when we started running and we kind of honestly sort of didn't stop until like a couple weeks ago, like just kind of like living in that transition. So we, we ended up in Bangkok a couple of days later. Um, because we were just like, we don't know what's going on. And we had some stuff going on and uh, wanted to see some friends in Bangkok and do some fun stuff. So we're like, well, why don't we just go ahead and go there and we'll shelter in place in January. Um, And, uh, and then, and then we'll kind of see what happens. And so Miranda and I were in this little bitty, like studio apartment for 14 days and couldn't really do much of anything. And I found myself just going up onto the roof of it, like multiple times a day just to get outside. And, um, so yeah, this was 11 weeks ago that we were kind of doing this kind of stuff, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, so pretty, pretty nuts. So that, you know, it kind of kept going and we kind of thought like we were on the outs and I actually came back to America for a couple weeks, like a few weeks later and did a few things around here. I got to see some of you guys then. And, I was kind of like sharing my like, oh, this is kind of what I learned through that really hard season, you know, and 
I was like feeling good and feeling like I learned my lessons from, from God and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I, you know, kind of get back and sure enough, it just, I felt normal for probably three or four days where I'm like, this is my, you know, back to normal life in, in Bangkok. But, uh, yeah, then just a few days later, then all of a sudden you see it just turn into this global crisis. And I was just like, oh my word, here we go again, you know, and which ended up in us, uh, eventually realizing that we were going to get stuck again without visas to like stay in the country, um, which became this whole like thing. So that ended up getting us back to the States a couple weeks ago and, and we've been sheltering in place again and, and trying to keep ourselves away from people. So that's kind of the fast version of the journey of the last 11 weeks. So, Holy cow, man. So you've been through a ton. I think one of the, the unique things you have as, as my friend right now is actually some perspective on what's going on. And so one of the ways that I've been describing what I've felt just going through the last several weeks is this sense of grief. I mean, it's, it's losing small things and then hearing about friends of mine losing bigger things. Like, you know, my wife had to give me a haircut or, you know, you feel a little bit scared going to the grocery store or whatever, whatever that is, but you've been going through this for 11 weeks. And so you've had a lot longer to process Mm -hmm. than most of us that the continual grief and what, what has that looked like in your life to say goodbye to your home, to move to another city where you were planning on living and then to say goodbye to that place and now be back in the States. Right. Yeah. I think it's been really interesting because I, the way I've been kind of thinking about it, I was like, I think I was actually running off a lot of adrenaline the last 11 weeks or so, probably up until about a week ago or so. Cause we were just like, wow, what's happening? We don't know what this thing is. And okay, we're in Bangkok. Well, at least we're in Bangkok. Cause actually, I mean, long story short, we were planning on moving to Bangkok this fall. Um, that was going to be kind of like our new home and new place of work and um, looking for opportunities there. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we just got to move to our new home earlier. That's kind of cool, you know, like let's just kind of get a jump start on getting to know the city and have some of our friends there with us. So I think that we kind of tried to stay optimistic and like, okay, like that's a bummer, but this is cool. And um, and I don't think I actually really realized all that I had lost until like a week ago, honestly. Mm. And And now I'm hearing of what, I mean, I'm, it's sad to say, but like everyone's experiencing the kind of like you said, the loss that's happening now. But now I'm kind of processing, you know, from 11 weeks ago, all the things that I'm losing. And I think the hardest thing, so I've lived in, um, you know, the city where this all started for the last seven years and fell in love with it. And, you know, I can, I was like actually journaling about it. I can like, I tell these Chinese taxi drivers the streets to take to get places fastest. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, mm. I left here because it'll be, you know, we'll avoid the traffic jam. And like, that's how well I know a, a city of 14 million people. I can like get around it and have all my places where I eat. And we, you know, we like threw stuff in our backpacks and said, okay, let's get out of here. Why this weird thing's happening and we'll come back a month later. It'll be fine. You know, but we need to get out of here. And little did we know, well, we don't know when we'll go back. And, you know, we thought, we'll move to Bangkok this fall. We have like half a year to just like say goodbye to the place that we are in love with. And, um, it's like our home. It's, it, it's, it's, 
I've had a lot of identity issues kind of even come up through that, you know, just like, man, that's just my life is there, you know? So I think it's been, it's been really good for me actually just to kind of like write out and journal everything that I lost. And I think I've tried to suppress that because I'm like, oh, everyone's going through a hard time. Um, But being able to kind of have that opportunity to just kind of just like be like, it's okay to just grieve and mourn the things that you're losing. Um, Mm. And and then it actually makes it a lot more easier to, you know, to share your story and think your story is valuable to other people. But then also it helps me even sympathize with, I just heard stories of, I just heard this like on a podcast or something today. Oh, like students are, you know, not going to get to have their senior prom or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's such a bummer for them. Like they were just, Mm. and I don't know if you can allow yourself to grieve the things that you've lost. I think it, it helps you understand there is value in that. And then you also can understand what other people are losing easier and be able to to sympathize with them. So, yeah. What would you say to the person who's grieving And they feel like they can't really share what they're grieving because it seems so small and insignificant. Uh You know, it, it feels almost weird or wrong to share like about the fact that I really enjoy getting a haircut at this certain place when somebody else is dealing with something different. How do you process just those small losses? Totally. Well, that's me to a T. Like I am like my, losses are just nothing compared to someone losing a family member or, you know, all the things that are, are possible in the, in this season. So I feel like I was like really pushing those things down, um, a lot. And it's actually, you know, you just kind of find the people, I actually just kind of got some counseling the last couple of weeks, which was really helpful for me Mm -hmm. to kind of just have a safe place to just, um, let it out, you know, and just be okay, like kind of processing it. And then that kind of like made it a little bit more easy for me to kind of with my close community, just to share with them, Hey guys, this is what I'm losing. And then it's like, it just creates opportunities for other people to share what they lost too, you know? So you're not trying to like put a pedestal on it or it's not a competition of loss. Like that would be like the saddest thing to be doing right now is competing of who's lost more, you know? So it's like, let's just like listen to each other and, and be the brave one to speak up first and say like, I'm bummed that I can't go out to eat anymore. And just, you don't know it. And then the next thing you know, like you just can have a really vulnerable conversation that is going to allow you to, to speak your truths and then also get to hear other people's truths. And when that stuff's spoken out into the light with close people that you can trust, especially like you're going to, it's going to make the season probably a lot more doable. So yeah, you're you're starting to answer another question that I have. Is this how you think about leadership? Because you have a lot of people that would look to you as a spiritual leader. And I think one of the things I've been wrestling through is how as somebody who's leading other people in a, a time of uncertainty, how do you give them hope? But how do you also communicate to them that you don't know? what's happening. Cause you know, people are looking to you and they're used to kind of getting answers from you or, or you're be you're the person who's, who, who knows the future to some degree. And now they're looking at you and you're like, I have no idea. How, how do you think through those things? Yeah. I think, um, just for me personally, I'm like, I just, I want, 
So the, I was traveling with a, with some friends to come back to the States when we're like, we just need to get back to the States and just hunker down and ride this thing out and not be around people. And um, so the friends that I was traveling back with, we kind of just decided, oh, for like, you know, 10, seven to 10 days, 14 days here, we're just going to all hunker down in this one house and make sure that none of us got it. And before we like spread out and maybe go stay at our parents' house or whatever, um, we need to do to ride this thing out. So we were together, like all together for, you know, a good week last week. Um, and, uh, I think for me, I was just like, man, I just, I can't fake it right now. Like some people in my, some of my friends, they were just, they, I mean, they've been thriving in this season and I'm like super happy for them. Like, that's awesome. They don't have to feel guilty that they're thriving right now just because I'm having a hard time, you know? And, but I don't want to fake the fact that I'm actually having a hard time. Yeah, I'm still, you know, trying to just be like a good role model and an example and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think what I've realized is just being honest and vulnerable with the people you're leading and the people, you know, whether it's your kids or whether it's, you know, your community, like um, just being honest about the things that hurt and, and don't, not faking it. Um, just to like try to like play the strong re- leader role. Like, I think that would be the miss of this is if you just kind of feel like you have to keep the strong leader mask on right now and, and not be vulnerable about what's, what's a struggle for you. And then that honestly, the more vulnerable you are to open up your struggles, the more safe people feel like, Oh, like I thought I had to be like that, you know, I thought I had to kind of just be like strong and tough and, a lot of my friends, like, we feel that sometimes. We feel like we have to be strong and tough. And it's like, no, like, it's okay to just, for this to be hard. And just to try and lead out in modeling um, vulnerability, I think, has been something I've tried to to do. I don't know how well I'm doing it. Maybe I'm doing being too vulnerable <laughs> at times because mm. I really have struggled the last few weeks. Um, but uh I think the thing is that I want to come alongside that with is not some sort of pep talk or anything like that. It's just the gospel. I'm like, if I have anything to share right now, I just want to share the gospel and continue to like proclaim that to people that I love, like whether, however long they've been believers or if they're not a believer, I'm just like, I just want to like share the good news. And yeah. I, yeah, Clint. So the, the gospel, I mean, we believe that's an unchanging message about what Jesus has done for us, but how do you find yourself sharing the gospel with people in this particular moment. And even as you preach the gospel to yourself, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it it goes a lot of different ways. I think preaching the simple gospel, like, so Drew, like right now, man, I so pumped that God sought you out and revealed himself to you because you were separated. You were eternally separated from him. And think of the separation you're feeling right now from people. Like, that's your reality with God. Like, you're separated from Him. But man, I'm so pumped that, like, God revealed Himself to you, and you responded, and you knew that, you know, you had so much junk and so much ick that you could not figure out on your own. So you just chose to put your hope in Jesus. And now, like, you can just be confident. Like, there's not a lot we can be confident in right now. But there's one thing that you can be unwaveringly confident in, and that's the fact that your eternity is secure in Jesus, you know? And, like, just to make it simple, and, like, that's the exact same thing I would want to say to someone who I want to know him. But, like, I want you to know that, too, you know? So 
I think, you know, going and just, you're kind of going to get some good reps in that are maybe going to be helpful for your future, you know, sharing of the good news. But I think too, just however it looks like this morning, I was just reading through, uh, the end of Ephesians three with some of my friends. Um, and you know, I'm just kind of telling them, you know, this prayer that Paul prayed, would you like understand the height and the depth of Jesus? I'm just like, I just want to pray this for you guys because that's a 2000 year old prayer that's still on the move. Um, and I'm feeling it and I want you guys to feel it because man, I just, if there's anything I want you to be tethered to right now, it's the cross of Jesus Christ, you know? So I think just kind of trying to lace that into everything right now, because it's hard to come up with a whole lot of other things that are as, as solid as that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me, Clint, it just sounds like you're doing such a good job rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and mourning with those who mourning. And it sounds like that's coming out of a place of just deep connection with Jesus mm-hmm. in honesty. I mean, I, I remember after my son Jude died, I also had to go to counseling and as leaders, it can be so freeing for other people to hear we're going to counseling. Like totally. we need counsel. We need help. And I've thought before the Holy spirit is our counselor. And so what we admit as Christians is we need counsel all the time. We need each other's help. We need other people to walk us through the truth. It's not as simple as just me and Jesus with my Bible. Sometimes when we're going through something like this, we need an extra boost. Somebody just, just speaking the truth of God's word into us. And I wanted to specifically ask you, um, how are you processing through, you know, you said earlier that there's some of those little things that you're grieving, but you're also in the middle of an adoption process for a little boy named Solomon. And we're maybe months away from bringing him home. And that's all up in the air right now. So how are you processing that deep sense of, of loss of even a timeline. Yeah. I think it's been, it's been interesting because I got, we got matched with our son on January 15th and then we started kind of our run or whatever you want to call it on January 22nd. So a week after we got matched with our son, I mean, we had no idea what this thing was at that point. We just thought it was, you know, a few weeks. We're just going to like try and get out of town so we don't um, get this thing that we don't know what it is. But um, yeah, so a week and then I'm just kind of going, God, why? So why did you have, you know, in your plan, like, why did, why did you have me get matched with this kid? And we think we're going to like get to pick him up in April or May. And and then for a week later, just like the world's kind of just slowly but surely just kind of turning on its head and everything's uncertain. And Miranda and I have desired to have kids for a long time and have not. Um, that's been a story that I know a lot of people um, have. It's just like wanting kids and not being able to and, and wanting to adopt and it taking a really long time. And, and uh, yeah, so I think it's been interesting to kind of like process that with God and just be honest like what was you know what what's your plan in this but like I think it just gives me a lot of hope because I'm like God does have a plan and even if I could go pick him up right now I'm like sometimes I'm like is this the right time to bring a a kid who's going to go through a traumatic experience of being adopted you know because that is a traumatic process to like get taken out of the place that you're so comfortable I mean 
it's kind of like I got taken out of Wuhan and look how long, you know, how hard that's been on me. He's going to get taken out of his world and that's going to be a traumatic thing. So it's just like, man, I, I want when it's time for us to pick him up, I want to bring him to a safe place. So if he's safe right now, I'm happy and I'm going to be happy when it's time for me to bring him home to a safe place. So that's me being optimistic and positive about it, you know, but then I just, I was so excited and I was just wanted, so I've just wanted to be a dad for a long time and um, just so excited to meet him. So it's just a bummer, but I was like, okay, God, like, I know that there's going to be a day when I like, I know because of all of the things that have happened in my life, uh, you know, 35 years of life, not that much, but I know there's going to be a day when I look back and I'm just going to go, oh man, God, you just, you've always had a perfect plan for me. You always will continue to have a perfect plan for me and you have a perfect plan for Solomon. And when it's time to go pick him up, it's time, but it still is a bummer to, to just kind of like, you kind of had it in the grasp of your hands and then kind of felt it taken away. And again, it's just, it's just okay to be sad about that. You know, I don't have to feel guilty that that's a bummer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have there been, uh, any specific just passages of scripture mm-hmm. that have come up over and over again for you over the last 11 weeks, just something that, that you're meditating on or going back to? Oh, for sure. I think, um, yeah, the first one, I mean, I have a few, I kind of have my Psalm, Psalm 142 is like, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I got to, I've been reading a lot of Psalms, you know, over the course of these weeks, but I got to that one and I was like, that's it. That's it. You know, it's like every word is just like dead on. Um, you know, it's like I cry out loud to the Lord. I plead out. I pour my complaint. I reveal my trouble before him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, man, God, you do know. And it's like along this path I've traveled. They have hidden a trap for me. And a lot of times I felt like I was like, I just had a trap following me around the last 11 weeks, you know, and just like, you know, but then at the end, it's like, God, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of living. But I won't read the whole thing if you want to check out Psalm 142. But sometimes people kind of write their own song, Psalms of Lament or whatever, but I'm I'm not super great at that. So I'm like, if I was going to write one, I think it would be Psalm 142. But um, probably the passage that has been with me literally since January has been um, from uh, the Gospel of Mark at the end of Mark 4 when, uh, you know, Jesus just got done, you know, doing a lot of healings, like sharing a lot of parables, and they get on this boat, and the wind and the waves and the storm just kind of like, you know, flares up, and then they're all freaking out, we're going to die, you know, and then Jesus just wakes up, and he's just like, you know, and they say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And I literally, like, said that to God, like, Hmm. do you not like I feel like I'm getting ready to die like do you like do you care you know and then you know he's like just Jesus said why are you so afraid and why do you you do you have little faith and that was in in January where I I read that and I was like oh my goodness God like I just feel like my faith is just so weak because I am so afraid and then I social media, whatever, it pops up on my Facebook one year ago. And this is like literally after I'd finished my quiet time and read and one year ago. And it's like my picture with my wife on the sea of Galilee. (laughs) 
No way. That's awesome. I'm just like sitting there with Miranda in the peaceful like Sea of Galilee, you know, a little um, because we had gotten to go to Israel a year ago. And uh, I'm just like, God, that's like, I feel like you're telling me to remember this, remember this moment. And again, I came back to America a few weeks ago and I was sharing this passage like, man, like I was so afraid. But man, God has like just allowed, has just been so gracious to me and has been so tender towards me, even in my fear and anxiety and lack of trust and lack of peace that he's just helped me through that. And I feel like now I have like this deeper understanding of trust and peace. And that's what I was sharing like four weeks ago when I was like hanging out with friends. And then it kind of went round two on me, you know, the last few weeks where I'm like, Oh no, it's like that thing I thought I learned. And I'm still just like kind of going back into this lack of peace and trust. And I've gone back to this just small little text, you know, probably, 50 times over the last 11 weeks just to remember man god just has everything is under his dominion and his control like if there's a storm if there's a tornado heading towards our house he literally can say go away the coronavirus he can literally say you're done he has the power to do that and um you know i'm taking hope and i just know that god's moving in a lot of different ways that i don't totally see yet during this season but I can just have confidence, you know, in his control over things. And life doesn't feel like it has control right now. So I think that's been probably the one passage of scripture I've gone back to the most. So, you know, I almost like got chills as you were sharing that, because I've been asking people this question in, in our, you know, local church family. And one girl in, in our small group Bible study said with that specific passage about the wind and the waves that it was like the Lord impressed that on her three different times. Like just that, that was the moment that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And then um, most people are just finding this new love for the Psalms. And personally kind of the, the pattern of my life has been to start with the Psalm of the day, you know, so today's the second. So I start in Psalm two and then I just go two. 12, 22, 32, 42, 52. And I'm finding that, you know, each of those Psalms will have something different to, to speak to me, but I landed myself in Psalm 42 this morning, you know, as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for you. And, you know, you read the Psalms when you're not going through struggles like this and you're like, and these people are so dramatic, Mm -hmm. but then you go through something like this and you realize man, like there is some deep stuff in my soul that God brings out in suffering. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Just to think about the things like I was sharing this yesterday with, with some friends, but I'm just like, man, like even so Psalms have this incredibly new depth to them because we're just feeling, you're just feeling this weight and on the world, you know, from, from this whole thing. So like every word has like, just this further depth to it. And like, even in songs and worship music, like there's this new depth to music. Like one of my favorite songs, you know, Lord, I need you. It gets like, um, and when I, in the bridge, it goes, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And like, I don't know if I've ever quite felt that. Like I've worshiped to it and I'm like, yes, like God, I'll just lean on you every, I don't know if I've felt that level of like, I cannot stand more than I felt it at different moments, you know? in this season, like, God, like I can fall on you. And 
now every time I sing that, I just feel like it's going to mean so much more. And I hope the words of scripture and, and uh, the Psalms and the whole Bible, you know, just like kind of just, you get to go down a notch a little bit with the meaning of every, every line and every word, which is a pretty fun thing, I think, to think about, you know? Okay, Clint, that was like the fastest 30 minutes of my life. Dude, that's seriously. that's been that's been 30, 30 no, minutes. Wait. So one of the things that I tell I tell people on our team that I love is the whiplash effect. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end by asking you just three ridiculous questions. Do it. And then um and then we'll just we'll just call it a day. And I'll probably have to have you back on the show at some other point because there's so many I had all these questions written down to ask you and and I asked you like four questions and <laughs> it fills the whole time. So, okay. So, so, okay. We're stuck in this, in this quarantine. What's one sporting event or concert or group event that if you could do anything, you would be doing that right now? So I, that's a great question. I think my answer probably change every day, but this day, I think I would say I would want to go see this band called Lucero with my friend, Travis Pierce. Um, and it's just, this, it's just a dirty, dirty bar rock band. Um, just all, and it's people from like every phase of life that you can imagine, but yet everyone is just in that room unified, just crying out these like songs about the girl down, you know, on the other side of the small town and just super fun. That would just be like a blast to get to do. Nice. Nice. All right. Second question. I know you love your wife, Miranda, and you're enjoying the quarantine just with her. But if you could add one person from history to join your shelter in place, who would it be and why? Yeah, such a good question. When you told me about this question earlier, I'm like, oh, my gosh, who do I say? Who do I say? Like, there's just so many options. And I'm like, I have all these kind of obscure people that probably nobody would know. But if I was going to think of someone that I think people actually know about that I think would be a blast to be quarantined with, it would be um, Chris Pratt. So it's not like an old guy from like way before. Andy Dwyer, Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, just I feel like he could just be a one man show in my in this living room and just entertain me every day and just be a blast to hang out with. So. Yeah. Totally. I was thinking about that. Like, you don't want Abe Lincoln who like no. struggled with depression. You totally. know, like you, you want, want someone hilarious. <laughs> totally. You want someone totally. fun. Okay. And last question: If you had, you could only eat one food the rest of the time. So you, you know, we we all are like, okay, I could be sheltering in place for you know several weeks or several months. You can only eat one food: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's one you know one plate of food, one meal. What would it be? Okay, so I, this is probably going to be really dorky, but a pita, throw across the hummus, throw on your Greek salad, which is kind of like, you know, cucumbers, uh, onions, tomatoes, some chickpeas, uh, some cilantro, you know, or wh how, whatever's in that mixture, and just kind of throw that into a pita. I feel like you kind of get a lot in that, so, and I, that's one of my favorite meals, so I, I think I would be okay eating it. You'd probably have to ask me a weekend how I felt. <laughs> yep. So that's, that's a great conclusion to the show. So basically my conclusion is read the Psalms, eat healthy food and enjoy your quarantine. All right, guys, thanks for joining me and Clint for this first ever episode of the Salt City Church podcast. 
hope to see you guys next week. Clint, love you, man. Thanks Back so much, man. All right. Sweet. Let's stay yeah. in touch. All right. Later, buddy. Bye.